welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about how to teach your kids about money and upskill them about their finances. Now, this comes from a listener of the show, Glenn, who said, I've been talking to my wife recently about trying to upskill our kids on all things finance. They're nine and 11. Now, we are keen to give them the basics about income, Debt, mortgages, insurance, compound interest, tax. Really? Tax? No, Even I, tax? I don't think anyone can sound as excited about compound interest than you just did. <laughs> <laughs> it's a exciting thing. Eighth wonder of the world. Which, uh, that quote is a misnomer, but we won't yeah, go into I, it. I know. Now, is this something you've covered in a podcast? If not, can you talk about it? Yes, we can. Now, Andrew, there are some disclaimers we should give. Things that people should know about you and I. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things that people shouldn't know. One of the things is we don't have any kids. Yet. Oh, that's actually true. So we do have some exciting news for all of you long-term listeners. We are expecting a child. Well, not together. I am expecting a child in June. People will just be thinking that I was a bit puffy. But <laughs> that's just the Christmas cake. But look, we are excited about that, Andrew. And so we have been putting on our thinking caps about how we're going to educate little baby Nickel on their finances. And so what we've done is we've compiled some tips from other experts around the industry just to see what they say, and then we've added our own Ed and Andrew flair to it. That's right. So the first thing we did was go and look at the Barefoot Investor for Families. Now, if you don't know the Barefoot Investor, very, very popular Australian-based personal finance book. And the author there, Scott, has written another book for how you teach your kids about finance. Now, since he actually does have kids, I thought it was a good place to start. (laughs) And there are three main concepts that I think we probably should be teaching kids. You've listed some great ones there, Glenn, but I think the main ones are income, working for your money, saving, so delaying your gratification, not buying what it is you happen to want today to save up for something better, and also returns. What you've identified there about compounding interest returns compounding over time. And I think the big thing is that if you are going to teach your kids, you've got to do it by doing. You can't do it by just telling them stuff and hoping that they will retain it. Because if you can make it tangible for them, make them the ones making the decisions, then, hey, that's probably going to sink in a little bit better, make it tangible for them. So what does the Barefoot Investor suggest doing? Well, for kids under 15, like your two are, Glenn, they suggest a model of three jars, three jobs, three minutes a week. Now, this is where each week the kids have to do three jobs each in order to get their pocket money. So you are giving them pocket money so they can make some decisions about their own finances. Now, do they have to do all three jobs to get all of the money? Or can they, like you, just complete two jobs? (laughs) No, they've got to do all of the jobs. Oh, excellent. Three (laughs) jobs. No partial payment. (laughs) Now, what happens then is that every week the kids are going to get their pocket money on a payday. So that's going to be the same time each week. A little brown envelope with a wax seal on it. I'd rather put the coins in their hand one by oh, one yes. so they feel like there's a yes, lot of value yes. there. But then he suggests having three separate jars. Yeah, so I like this concept. Jam jars, peanut butter jars, whatever jar you happen to like. <laughs> it. it could be anything. But what he recommends is having a splurge jar. That's one for spending, i.e., I'm going to spend some money on some lollies down the road or going to the movies. A smile jar, that's for long-term saving, like your super soaker. That's like a big water gun that I would have wanted as a kid to go and spray all of the uh, I never imagined you outside as a kid. What, you think that I was just sitting in front of the telly the whole day? No, no, not in front of a computer playing on Excel or something. (laughs) (laughs) Mum, look what this does. (laughs) 
Well, I'm still doing that with my mum showing <laughs> yeah. the spreadsheets. So that's your smile, your long-term savings for something that they might want. And then also a give or sharing jar. So allocating some money like to a local food bank, whatever they happen to want to do. Now, the key thing here is that the child, the kid gets to decide where the money goes. So if I was giving you $9 a week, Andrew, and that was oh, your so, payday. So I don't have to allocate it equally. No, it doesn't have to be equal. Oh, you, nothing's going in the gift jar. No, then. no, no. <laughs> that breaks the next rule. Oh, okay. You get to decide where it goes, but at least a dollar or at least one of the coins, that's right, you've got to allocate it. Now, it's up to the kid or the child how that gets allocated, but they've got to make that decision. And this teaches them that they want to allocate their money over these three things, either some spending today, some saving up for something a bit nicer, or for sharing as well. Now, one little tip before we talk about what sort of jobs they should be doing, Andrew, I think that you should literally give them these sorts of jars. And before doing this, Spend some time decorating them, making them look really nice. So whether it's feathers or sparkles, I don't know whether your kids are boys or girls, Glenn, but they can make the decision about that, to dressing them up to make it a bit more exciting and then doling out the pocket money in $1 coins so that they then have the ability to allocate it across that. And that will help teach, A, they need a work in order to get their money. They need to do their jobs in order to get the money. And then they have the savings as well. But Andrew, if people are listening to this thinking about, well, what sort of jobs should I get my kids to do for their pocket money? You know, what would you suggest here? So if you've got younger kids, things like tidying their room, taking the recycling out to the bin or putting the groceries away, these are things that they can start doing when they're more sort of what are we thinking? Maybe younger than seven. Younger than seven. And older than that, things like cleaning the car, which is a good, which is a great job for parents. That's the main reason I'm having a kid. Garden work and taking the bins out. Actually, that's the second reason. The Sunday night bin collection is a pain. And I imagine you'd be this sort of person with gloves on doing that. <laughs> no, but I run inside immediately and wash my hands three times and I leave the doors open so that I don't have to touch the door handles on the way and contaminate those. And it's not about giving them a whole lot of jobs, but it's just giving them some easier jobs to connect them to the effort of doing something to actually earn the money. And look, you as a, as a parent should be just managing this in a few minutes per week. So it's not, not something that you need to be spending a lot of time overseeing. And I think the other thing that I'd just mention is that I have seen charts of chores online where the kids have to do five things every single day. And I just can imagine uh, kids aren't going to do that. Uh, if they've got 35 tasks a week and they've got to make their bed Are we talking every about morning, you again? <laughs> <laughs> I only do it three times a week. I don't get paid this week. But I think that the idea here is just to show them the concept. I think a lot of parents listening to the show are going to be asking, well, how much money do I give my kids per week? How do I set that rate of pocket money? And that's a great question. And so Hannah McQueen's book, who's kind of a, a financial advisor, budgeting expert, she talks about giving $1 per child per age. So if you've got a 13-year-old, it's $13 per week. And that'll start to add up because remember, you're doing this instead of giving them a few dollars here and there to run down to the dairy and buy, is it a $3 mixture now? Who knows? It's definitely, it's got to be $4 mix here with all of this inflation. But I think that's an important thing. If you're thinking $13 a week, that's $600 a year, call it. Actually, it's not it's $650 a year, which is quite a bit of money. But this is instead of giving the money for other things. Just frivolously giving the money. And of course, this stops at 15 because at that point, you can get them out in the workforce. 
and you can get them working their part-time job. And I think that's important because these days, if you switch them across from pocket money and they're now off doing their part-time job, in an hour's work, they'll make the same amount they would have in the hand. Do they have children's minimum wage now? No, that's gone. Gone. So what, they get 20 bucks an hour? Yeah, same as anybody else. Whoa. It must make it harder. I don't know. Oh, I'd imagine it'd make it harder for a young person to get a job yes. these days at that. Now, after that, we come to the main question around teaching them about investing and compounding returns. So we've taught them some pretty good money habits, saving, having to work for your money. How do you go about them showing them the compounding returns? And I think this is the really, really important one, Glenn. Now, one of the challenging things, though, Glenn, is that if you're trying to show your kids compounding returns and demonstrate it to make it practical, they're not really going to learn this concept by putting their $10 or their $20 into a high interest bearing bank account where Two percent interest. Are you going to talk about my story? Did we talk about that? We haven't spoken about that on the show yet. I don't think we have. I okay. remember you telling me All about right. it over right. New Year's. Get around, listeners. So Ed and I, over the New Year's, we're discussing normal growing up as Andrew Nickel and, and figuring out about all things financial. Anyway, one of my very harsh lessons, <laughs> very harsh lessons, quite sad for me. So I had a number of jobs when I was a, a kid. And then my first job actually on the books was with New World St. Martins in Christchurch. And I remember that was back then when the minimum wage was $5 a week. Can you oh. believe it? $5. It was a lot of money. Anyway, I remember getting a pay raise to $5.50 and I thought I was going to be rich. Anyway, I was very good at saving all my money. So I was keeping all my money in my savings account. And when I got a reasonable amount in there, I don't know, maybe $100 or something like that, I was very excited. And interest rates were kind of, savings interest rates might have been, say, 5% back then. I think it was even higher, right? And I'd worked out in my super saver account that if I put in my extra money, money then it was called a rapid save put in your extra more money than you took out and you made no more than one withdrawal a month which I had stuck to that you would get your your five percent interest anyway I remember ringing phone banking because this is before we use internet banking like every hour on the hour from midnight see if your five dollars hit waiting waiting for my five dollars to hit my account lo and behold a measly 50 cents hit my account and I went this is a mistake the bank doesn't know what the hell they're doing and so it would have been low it would have been 40 like yeah, 2 yeah. cents and so I rang <laughs> okay and so I rang and I pushed zero one to get through to the operator and I said there has been a grave misjustice <laughs> There has been a grave misjustice here. I've only got a twelfth of what I'm owed. Turns out that was a per annum interest rate. Not a per month. A hard lesson indeed. Glenn, if you want to teach your kids hard life, that's how you do it. But look, in my view, and this is obviously as a non-parent, I think that's too slow to really show them the value of compound returns over time. So I think there are two ways to do this. You could either set up a sharesies or a hatch account for kids and start buying shares with them in their favourite companies. So for instance, if they're really into Disney, you could potentially take that money that they're putting into savings and go and purchase a portion of a share of Disney, for instance, or I've actually been thinking about the bank of mum and dad. That's right. If I have kids, I'm starting up the bank of Ed. And here's how I think that possibly could work in order to show the value of compounding returns. I think one way to approach this is to take that interest rate that is at the bank say 2%, for instance, and making it either a per week or a per month interest rate for your kids and paying it to them. 
So for instance, little baby Andrew has saved up his $100 or his $10 in his jam jar called Smile. I've got another bigger jam jar that I've labelled Tube Deposit. He transfers me his $10 and I pay him 2% per week or 2% per month to show it starting to add up over time. Honestly, I'm just, I've got these terrible images now of you coming out every six weeks as the governor of the Reserve Bank of Edward McKnight and reducing the interest rate on them. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking about this, oh. preparing for the episode, being like, do you know what? I would have advertising <laughs> I would have advertised rates I'd be I'd mark it up maybe I'd change it because it's a floating rate I think I've got to have some kids just to do this now or perhaps with all of my siblings children <laughs> my nieces and nephews but perhaps you might have a minimum investment of $10 and a maximum investment of $100 and have the Bank of Glen and whatever your wife's name happens to be and perhaps actually you and your wife or, or partner decide that you're going to have competing banks and the and the kids get to decide which bank they put the money in, whether then, it's going to be... And then mum's, mum's bank goes bankrupt and the kids lose all their money. I did actually think about that. <laughs> now, kids, this is what you need to know about non-regulated institutions. <laughs> High interest rates. Mum's got some new shoes and you're now broke. <laughs> I actually did think about that. Give them a 10% hit. Oh, you thought you were dealing with a bank, but it was actually a fund. This is what happens when you've got too much time to yourself over the break. <laughs> Pretty much. Now, Andrew, talk to us about how could Glenn teach them about mortgages and taxes? Well, I actually was thinking with the taxes side of things. When I was thinking, I hadn't read your notes, to be honest. I was sorry, I hadn't read your part of the notes and didn't know you were having the three-jar concept. And I was kind of thinking that I would make it personally compulsory that they put a third into their giveaway jar and that's the tax and then they choose how the tax is spent. It might make them begrudging to put it in there. Well, it makes me begrudging paying it, so that's the real life reality. That would probably be how I would manage the tax side of things. As far as the mortgages side of things, I think probably just have conversations at the dinner table. If you've got a spreadsheet and a budget and stuff like that, maybe show them and involve them in that. Show them how making adjustments means more surplus, more surplus paid to your mortgage pays that off faster. Do all those kind of things. And, you know, you can play financial games with kids. There's a game, Cash Flow. It's an old Robert Kiyosaki game or it's tied in with Legacy. We should actually get a copy for The Office. I'm going to write it down on my hand now, which apparently, I haven't played it, but apparently it's excellent or Monopoly or something like that, or Opus Opoly. So anyone that follows me on Instagram would have seen the excellent gift that I was given over the Christmas break by one of our team members, Sammy, gave me a personalised Opus Monopoly board, which was awesome. So Glenn, hopefully that gives you some ideas about ways you can teach your kids about property working for money and also investing as well. And if anybody else has some ideas about interesting ways to teach your kids about finance, send us a text. Our number is 5522. I'm really interested to hear how you're teaching the next generation all about finance. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the property market. Until next time, 